Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you joining us this week on the podcast. We have Robbie Croyle. Hello. Jennifer Bartlett. Hey, guys. And myself, Logan. We are back, all the three of us. Just the three of us. I didn't do that last week, I realized, when I was editing, which was so sad. Yeah. Because it was just the two of you. It was just the two of us, but that's all right. We survived. We had way too much fun, probably. We did. Super Um, dope. (laughs) It was pretty super dope. It was something. Fantastic. Nevertheless. Might have been that, too. (laughs) Uh... We could I ooh, I should pull up <coughs> we got an email. Yes, we did. We got an email and what an email it was. Oh. I'm so scared. Cause the way you're looking at me makes me go, it was my mother. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> Thank you, Marguerite. We love your emails. Stop encouraging her, you guys. First off, she said uh you and I did an amazing job. Of course uh, we did. The guest speaker was amazing. Which was totally true. Super dope. Um, <laughs> super dope. Uh, let's see here. She pointed out that I said, all right, all right, all right, a lot. Um, she said, in fact, she said, you are all right, all right, doing your Matthew, uh, your best Matthew McConaughey impression. I, zing. There you <laughs> go. Well done. Well played. Uh, it is your best. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's as good as I can do. Um, She counted how many times I said nevertheless. She went back and listened a second time. And counted how many times I said nevertheless. Uh, I mean, I knew she counted because she's like, he said nevertheless like 15 times. 16 times. And dope was four times. Uh Uh-huh. She then went and listened to Dvorak, the fourth symphony. Uh, she didn't approve of this as a wedding song, more of a, like, see somebody dressing like the Sith or Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> we'll just have a differing opinion on that. Um, Although, nevertheless, I mean, dressing as a Sith would work as well. Cause dress up as a Sith for your wedding? I think that sounds like a great time. Uh, My brother yeah. and sister-in-law, lightsabered, fought. Down the aisle. Did they really? Yeah. That's that's pretty great. Uh, she told us about that. In oh, the yeah, email? That, yeah, that was in the email. Yeah, my son Robert and wife Elizabeth decided to have a unique ending to the wedding. They walked it. Yep. Oh. By the way, Jen. It I brought me a lot of joy to read that email. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure it did. I do have to say that when I listened to the podcast at two times speed, because I think I listened to it Saturday. So we got the email, what, Friday? I think so. Friday afternoon, Friday morning, and uh, and I responded, and, and I hadn't listened to the episode yet, and so I'm like, I will have to do that post-haste, and, uh, but when I listened to it at two times speed, your laugh is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's pretty super dope. <laughs> yes, like, who invited the chipmunk? Uh, yeah, I can imagine. I listened to it at one and a half times speed, and it's pretty... Only gets better. Yeah. Only gets better. Yeah. It's nevertheless. 
that's extra funny because uh, Jen Blake pointed that out that I derail her every time I say that when I'm preaching. Uh, because she has an affinity for words that get like mashed together, like nevertheless or in so much of or various things like that. And uh, what happens when people talk about mashed potatoes? I don't know. Oh my gosh! I don't know. But she she completely misses whatever I say after I say nevertheless. She gets stuck. She gets stuck buffering. I don't that. like. It was really funny, but then your mom pointed that out in the email too. I'm just. Really? All right. Do you say it a lot? I apparently I said it sixteen times in the hour that we recorded footnotes. I, I, I now had it's no going to be like this blaring sign of every time you say it, we're going to be like, oh, I'm not giving up. Nevertheless, that's a great word. No, I agree. I would give up super dope before I gave up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not giving that up either. Fantastic. Perfect. Well, if this doesn't count as an opening of shortcomings, I don't know what does. Well, I mean, we did have some <laughs> shortcomings, but they were repeat shortcomings. Oh, yeah, for crying out loud. <laughs> Attack of the... <laughs> Revenge of the graphics. That's all it was. This was that was horrible. We had mix, misspelled exile, and what was the other one? Genealogy. Genealogy. I misspelled genealogy on the graphic. A year and a half ago. That's funny. See, I was listening to it, but I wasn't able to watch because I was driving mm. the wrong direction. And uh, so I could hear what you were saying, but it's not... She didn't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh. But you could hear... I'm sorry. You could... <laughs> You completely derailed me on that because I'm like, nevertheless. nevertheless, I don't know how to answer that. Either I say, no, I don't want to come back and I hurt everybody in Missoula or I say, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't wait to come back and know what's wrong with me. And then I piss off my family. So uh, rock hard place, Jen. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's no win there. Yeah. So no win. you'll never know. <laughs> it's like one of those movie moments where the, the person leaves and then they go chasing after him. Like, Jen's trying to decide, am I going to Missoula? Am I going to Seattle? Am I going to Missoula? Like, mm. mm-hmm. should I stay or should I go now? I guess I just really wanted to hang out at Snoqualmie Pass. Yeah. It was a gorgeous day. I should have jumped in the lake I saw twice. Mm. Three times. Mm. I saw it three times. I saw it three times. By the lake three times. I like that lake. It's a good lake. Oh, I still I've like never that noticed lake. that lake before. When did that get put there? It's just on the that lake's on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> That's super great. I'm so dumb. <laughs> did you did you swear at the lake the third time? No. Oh. There you go. That's good. All right. Shortcomings abound. Yeah, other than the graphics, that was humbling. I just went and grabbed the ones that we used a year ago and I didn't pay any mind to them until people started pointing out that there were all sorts of spelling errors on them. Yeah, and exile would have been easier to catch because it was actually a word spelled out, you know, mm-hmm. the way we spell things out left to right. Genealogy was... That it, was vertical, wasn't it? it was in, yeah, yeah, it was in vertical columns, and if I remember correctly. <clears throat> it sounds That sounds right. So the lesson is if we reuse graphics, we... Apparently, if... Well, and I remember people pointing these out the first time. Mm-hmm. So the lesson is I should just go back and fix them in case we ever needed to reuse them. 
because I'm not gonna re- I'm not gonna catch it the second time either. Apparently, oh well. Nevertheless, dope. <laughs> I need to leave now. <laughs> well, that would be sad because we're gonna talk about Genesis one. In the beginning. Don't worry, she'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> Just call me boomerang. Uh, oh. <laughs> it was the baby bottle boomerang weekend, so that must oh, have been what happened. Oh. For those that aren't privy to this story, just because we've dropped enough references now, uh, Jen was driving back from Seattle this last weekend and accidentally got turned around and repeated about 50 miles of the trip over Snoqualmie Pass yeah, uh, by accident, driving the wrong way. Yeah. And so she got to enjoy Snoqualmie Pass three times. Yep. Yeah. How many times have you made that trek? Uh, My friends moved over here in 2005, and I came like every three months to visit them. And so I would say probably 150 times, like embarrassingly more than I should have. She got off at a town that she's never gotten off before and got back on the freeway in a way that she didn't anticipate. And that I've been where you're talking about, and it is super weird the way a weird on ramp off ramp system there. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you're you you come in from one end of the town and you leave out another end of town kind of thing. Mm. So the what you think is the off ramp for eastbound is or the on ramp for eastbound is actually the off on ramp for westbound but you got off eastbound and so they yeah they kind of kiss and you're like of course I should go this way if that sounds confusing it's it, because it is it is yeah so there you go that's that's all the references we're dropping about Jen driving the wrong way we'll let her live it down i don't know sometime next year maybe Probably not. I wouldn't let me live this down. No. So. <laughs> no, this one's not going away, probably. <laughs> not soon. Nope, nope. So, Genesis 1. Genesis 1. Thought we might clarify some things from Genesis 1. You know, I only covered 25-ish chapters in the sermon today, or on Sunday. That was uh, just a, a sizable chunk, just a yeah. small portion um, an aggressive bite. <laughs> I imagine, like you, you know, when you have a, a kid with like a a birthday cake that gets set in front of them, and they just like face plant into it. Mm-hmm. They're like, "I'm gonna eat all of this mm-hmm. at once." Mm. That was kind of how it felt. Yeah, <clears throat> but I felt like it was necessary because we needed to have this running start. It would be beneficial. It would behoove us to. Have a little refresher, but uh, this is the this is the chaser for the mm-hmm. refresher. Uh, so a couple things about Genesis one, Rob. I think you 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 had a couple ideas of things we should mention. Yeah, so you mentioned um, just an overview for the first eleven chapters that that uh, it's ancient poetry, mm-hmm. and uh, it's Near Eastern. Poetry, which is different than your mad rhyme of that was really good. Roses I don't are red, what violets are blue. I don't know, church, 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 you two, something. But uh, yeah, I don't remember what it was. That was that was spirit led, is what that was. 
So it, it is poetry. It's uh, it's ancient Near Eastern, so we have to read it with that lens. It's not the same thing as uh, what we see, like uh, in the Book of Acts. That's a historical document. Sure, it's capturing history. It's it follows. A, this a, happened. Then this happened. A then timeline. this happened. Yeah, and even even the even some of the rest of Genesis doesn't necessarily follow it follow a strict timeline. There's stories that seem to be juxtaposed and maybe pulled out of the timeline. Sure, like Hagar and Ishmael with the binding of Isaac. Right. Yeah, I remember talking about that. Um, and he, even the way it talks about Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob, it almost seems like, okay, Abraham has left stage left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but... But no, I mean, 75 years yeah. of Isaac's life, Abraham is there. And 15 years of Jacob and Esau's. Yeah. Like just, in fact, just like you'd expect. Probably about the time that Jacob is stealing the the blessing from, from Esau. Spoiler alert, that's going to happen. <laughs> For some stew, because that's probably about the time they're 15-ish. So, yeah, so the... So the the way the authors present the stories matters, and we should pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you said that it was allegorical, uh, and uh, I think maybe the best example of that is that uh, you you have a, you have a talking serpent. Yep. Mm-hmm. That doesn't typically happen unless it's Disney mm-hmm. or it's allegory. Mm-hmm. Which is really saying the same thing. So um, <laughs> there you go. Wait, Disney's not science. How dare you? Uh, blaspheme. And so um, you know the uh, maybe the where people would wrestle with that statement the most, saying, "Okay, well, this isn't science. This isn't." A historical document. This is allegory. This is an ancient poem. Mm-hmm. Um, is when you look at uh, Genesis one. Sure. Because uh, a lot of our people are going to hold to a literal six day creation event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so the question is, well, what what gives us indications that this is poetry? Uh, in Hebrew, it's a little bit easier to see. Um, there's a there's a structure to it. Uh, there's a pattern to it. Um, there's repetition of words. Um, even the way, um, you know, you have three days of separating, and then you have three days of filling. What's yeah. been separated and and the things that are filling spaces are filling the the original in order the three spaces that were separated in the first place. Yeah. And so and so there's something being communicated here that maybe is different than a, a literal timeline. Yeah. And we should at least pay attention to to that. Like even if you want to hold to a literal six day timeline, which 
spoiler alert, I, I do still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, and I'll talk about that here in, in just a moment. But, um, even if you're going to hold to a six day literal timeline, we at least have to wrestle with, okay, so there are these patterns, there are these repetition of words, um, this, this repetition of, um, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then the differences between Genesis one and Genesis two, because the creation accounts are told in different ways for different reasons. Yep. There's a little bit of tweaking that goes on there. And so, and so why does that matter? Um, so first and foremost, it, it, God cr- can create whatever he wants to any way he wants to. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely believe that. But this is the very th- first thing that he has communicated to a people that just came out of 400 years of... of uh, Hard labor. Hard slavery. labor or slavery. Mm-hmm. And they just came out of a culture where there's multiple gods, they are angry gods, the people that, um, the, the people are, are an accident, mm-hmm. and the people are there to, to serve the whims of gods that aren't very godlike. They're, they're more, more like, uh, like bigger versions of, of people with uh, ego problems. Yep. And so what's the very first thing that God wants to say to those people that come out of this culture that that is steeped in in religion and steeped in religious ideas about who a God is and and has this creation account as part of their story and they've been told through their Experience that if you don't produce, you're valueless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't need you. You probably won't survive. Yep. Because you're a liability. And so, what kinds of things would a God, would our God, want to communicate to us? And 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 some of these things, like our our culture, still today wrestles with a lot of these same kind of themes sure uh our media mm-hmm. our movies communicate that there's an angry god that there's actually a bunch of gods that there's uh, you know um the mcu mm. you know like and and they're just bigger and stronger than you and i they've got the same kinds of problems sure you know and so um you know we're at the mercy of their whims right and and our value where do we get our value from it's our production it's what have you done for me lately it's mm-hmm. all these things so at any rate um it is important for us to pay attention even if you want to hold to the 6 day creation timeline and you're like nope that's absolutely god said it so therefore it is um well, good. Notice the other things that God is saying through the structure, through the through the uh, mechanism that He <laughs> chose to communicate. Like if 
if God chose to use a comedy, then then you pay attention. If He chose to use satire, you'd want to pay attention to that. Um, yeah. The literary style matters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So there's uh, there's a gal that I follow online. Um, I believe her name is Sarah Salvador. So if you go to sixdayscience.com, Sarah Salviander, easy for me to say. Um, So she has this website. Um, She was on staff at University of Texas, I believe, for 17 years as an astrophysicist. Okay. And she... um, when she was in college, she read a book um, about doc- by Dr. Gerald Schroeder from MIT. And using astrophysics, uh, he describes, and, and this website actually has a 140-slide presentation that I went through at one point, hmm. That talks about how this six-day, how astrophysics actually um, can can align itself, or can actually help us understand what the six-day narrative is actually talking about, and the separation of light and dark is actually mm. light and dark matter. Mm. Uh, so it's it's really interesting. It's way I'm like these are people that are way smarter than me. I'm just going, oh, that's super cool. I think I get what you're saying, but uh, I'm not sure I could explain this to somebody else. <laughs> which which leads me to the next thing I want to say. So the Genesis account is is being communicated to the Israelites roughly 4,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. When let's 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 call them let's call them toddlers. When Israelites were toddlers, how would you describe to a toddler the realities of creation mm-hmm. versus someone who's in their forties? Mm-hmm. Would you maybe Simplify? use a Use a nursery rhyme. Use a use some poetry. Use sure. like would you would you use a language that would make sense to yep. their world? Would you maybe simplify things? Would you maybe have a point that's more than just how creation took place? Right. Yep. Yeah. Would you turn it into a Disney movie? Would would you turn it into allegory? Yeah, imagery that's simple to understand and yeah, and use the the language that they're used to, Absolutely. use characters that they're used to, right? Right. Use a storyline that that's familiar. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's a good that's a good analogy. So, you know, whether like. And and as 
sometimes Christians have kind of shied away from science. This gal became a Christian because of science. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, she was an atheist. Her parents, she grew up, um, she started out in Oregon, and then they went to, her parents took her to Canada because it was the only socialist country in North America at that time. Um, or Northern Hemisphere, I think is what she said. Hmm. Um, and just wanted nothing to do with with Christianity. She only knew two people that even identified as Christian growing up. Wow. And so I was reading a little bit about her her testimony, and it's, and it's pretty cool. So uh, we will link this in the show notes, sixdayscience.com. And, you know, she she just loves talking science. I, I see her on, on Twitter from tw- time to time. Um, and uh, I find it fascinating, uh, way smarter than me. Um, and so if you are into that science nerdery, you're going to love what she has to say. There you go. You can wrestle through some of the things that she presents. There you go. Genesis 1, clarifications. We talked about a lot of this back in the back in the original series too. So, uh breaking down as far as breaking down the chiasm mm-hmm. uh chiasms in Genesis 1. Yep. Uh I believe that's where we had the baby chiasm, mommy chiasm and daddy chiasm. Yep. Yeah, it was. Originally. Yep. Do do to do to do. There you go. So uh, go check those out if you haven't. Uh, but that was a brief synopsis of uh, some of the what's going on there, and why why it's important to uh, be okay with viewing this in the the context that it is that it was written, um, and how that's that's okay. It's it's okay for it to be that. That's not earth shattering. Yeah. Um, it can it can be both, and God's not lying to us. He's not trying yeah. to fool us. And, you know, when we say that's allegory, you know, it, it's, it's not just, calling it a fairy tale. No, we're just we're just saying that He's using a, a certain communication style, and we should pay attention to that style. Yep. And yep. what does that style lend itself to? Exactly. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. <clears throat> I said we would talk about it, so we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it. The prodigal theory. Bum, bum, bum. So, um, it, yeah, and this is kind of an interesting. So when you're describing this to me, and I, this being the Genesis 25, Abraham sending his kids away. Yes. We're in Genesis 25, verses 1 through 11, if you're wanting to look at that. That was the section that we used. So describe describe the scene. All right. So uh, end of towards, well, at some point in the later half of Abraham's life, uh, Sarah dies, and he takes on a new wife, Keturah. Uh, this is beginning of Genesis 25, and then she bore him a bunch of sons. I'm not going to read the names again. If you want to hear me butcher them, go listen to the sermon. Uh, 
and then uh, lists off a couple of the grandchildren even. Um, but uh, specifically, maybe one to cue in on here is she bore him a son named Midian, which should light up some of our brains as the Midianites. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these other ones are are also going to turn into, they're all going to turn into tribes, uh, and they're going to turn into nations of peoples uh, that will show up in, in later later stories. Uh, so it lists these, these children of Keturah, uh, and then in verse 5, Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but the sons of his concubines, Abraham, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away to his son, from his son Isaac, eastward to the east country. Now, uh, fun little tidbit here. Uh, concubines, depending on... Uh, there's some debate uh, surrounding whether... Uh, and a debate within the rabbis, apparently, and the midrash, and diving down deep rabbit holes there. Uh, but concubines could be concubines or concubine, mm. uh, depending, because it's possible that Keturah and Hagar are the same person. Oh. Apparently, that is a that is a midrashic teach a midrashic. I don't know if that's a term. Uh, that is a teaching that the rabbis would would go to, and there's uh, some various scriptural um, reasonings for that that we might go into, or I might just link it in the in the notes for people to go dig into. Uh, so, but the the point being, Abraham sends off these possible other sons, possible other heirs, uh, other children of his. He sends them off to the east. He sends them off to the east, and he, and he gives them... Eastward, to the east country. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it says it like, eastward, to the east country. Yeah, wink, wink, nod, nod. So, you know, the Moabite so I'm from thinking, Moab. I'm going to, it's kind of like, so he sent them to a far-off land with, with part of his inheritance before everything that is mine is yours. Mm. Like, there's elements of this that are connected to the prodigal son story it isn't it i i think you can draw a parallel there i i don't know i don't know if jesus is referring back to this specifically as like a remez yeah he might be uh it's possible but uh there's definitely some parallels in the story mm-hmm. yeah so and i think in the prodigal son from where he's telling it to where they're saying the far off land which we've talked about is actually the uh roman city um i think that's east but but again you're so heading east away from god's design away from god's design heading to the roman the Romanness, the uh, it's Hellenism. The, it's the ten cities. What is it? The the Decapolis. Decapolis, yeah, yeah. So now we're unclean. We can't. We said it. Yeah. <laughs> this is so. If over. you if you said Decapolis just by saying the name of the city, then you would become unclean. Oh. Which is why they call it far off land, far. a far off country or a far off land. Wow. All right. Well, go sit out the side the city gates for seven days or. <laughs> so you know, so so and Mar- marty says this he goes i i think uh 
I think Abraham understood that he, he couldn't give any of the inheritance of the promise away. Mm-hmm. He learned that with Hagar. Midrash says uh, Keturah and Hagar are the same person. Uh, so after Sarah dies, Abraham takes Hagar back, and her sons have their own promise, but none of the inheritance according to God's instruction. And so from rabbinically, that's why they, they make this connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, both with that with the word concubine or concubines, you know, it's yeah. like um it was a singular or is it <clears throat> sure. Like well, you, and you if, were just if t- you're if you're reading it as plural, then okay, concubines, we only know of two of them, Keturah and Hagar. Mm-hmm. So if you're reading it as plural, then Hagar is probably still included. Uh would be my that would be my guess. Uh but there's yeah. So Ishmael got something as well. Probably also got some gift there. But concubine is different than a wife. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about a wife. Which right. is odd. Which is also very odd. That like, was this is problematic. Question. Yeah, I was going to ask. I was like, it says he married another wife. That's different than concubine, right? One would think. Is that... It's 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 in there with the wording. You're like, that's weird. That's a weird wording. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is that something that we lose in the in the English? More wrestling is be done here. But so let's let's think in terms of like sending these um, sending these guys away. Okay. Like, And it's pretty clear when when Abraham dies, those six six sons, yeah, those six sons are not there. They're not mentioned when they're burying Abraham. Right, Ishmael is. Mm. Isaac and Ishmael come together to bury Abraham. Correct. Those other six are not mentioned. It seems like they're out of the picture already. Right. Um. And then later in 12 through 18, we get a section talking about the generations of Ishmael. We get a a genealogy with him. Uh, And it ends with, they settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his kinsmen. That's, That's what Ishmael ends up settling. Gotcha. As opposed to Isaac settling in Ber Laharoi. So in 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 Abraham's case, like he what he pictures is I have to send these guys away because they can't be part of the promise. Although all, all nations are going to be blessed through the promise, so like that. And in some of the midrash that I was looking at, um, the rabbis will use this story to say, nope, they're not part of this. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. They're, that that ends up being used very. Uh, specifically with Alexander the Great, if I remember right. And so, where the prodigal son story, the father receives the son back, even though the gifts were given. Mm-hmm. And so, like I, I understand where the rabbis go with this, and I, and I think maybe they miss something. Mm. They miss something because. Uh, you, you mentioned Midian. Uh, Midian has uh, probably the the greatest impact or, or connection 
you know, as far as the story continuing. Mm-hmm. Um, first, it starts with uh, Moses' father-in-law. Jethro. Jethro. He, is a, he was a prince of Midian, or a, I'm sorry, a priest of Midian. And so from that standpoint, um, for 40 years, um, there's some positive uh, things going on there, like the uh, apparently the Midians uh, kept some level of connection to uh, to God, mm-hmm. um, and they had a Yahweh sect, is my understanding. Mm. But then in Numbers, um, the t- the story turns pretty negative. And from there on out, even the book of uh, Judges, Israel was oppressed by Midian for seven years. And so that, you know, that story of, you know, of uh, conflict between cousins. Uh, And I'm not sure that's ultimately what the Lord would have had for Mm -hmm. his people. So he might, yeah, and I mentioned Abraham might still, like, he might be learning here. He might have learned a little bit of a lesson. He's sending them off with gifts, at least, right? not just running them off. Right. But he still might not be getting the full picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So, yeah, kind of yeah. an inverse of the prodigal. That's yeah. theory by Rob. It's not a bad theory. Not at I all. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It was the yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna link this. There's a uh, a page here that talks about the um, it's from the Jewish Women's Archive apparently. Uh, Midrash and Agadah about Keturah. Uh, but in there, it uh, one of the things it mentions was that the, the offspring never ceased to claim their father's inheritance. The Midrash tells of something involving the rabbis during the time of Alexander the Great. Uh, they come before Al- uh, The offspring of Keturah and Ishmael came before Alexander and argued against Israel, uh, saying that it belonged to them because they are the children of Abraham. Uh, some really rough name that I'm not going to even try to say, said to the rabbis, grant me permission and I will go and plead against them before Alexander the Great. And so they they make their cases from Torah, and he drops the, uh, Abraham willed all that he owned to Isaac, but to Abraham's sons by concubines, Abraham gave gifts. If a father gave his children bequests in his lifetime and sent them away from each other, has anyone a claim, has anyone a claim against the other? The offspring of Keturah and Ishmael immediately left behind their sown fields and their planted vineyards and fled. That year was a sabbatical year, and Israel enjoyed the fruits of the abandoned fields. So, yeah, yeah, they uh, they definitely have a lot of they have a lot to say about this one. I I, I had no idea that Keturah was such a like she gets mentioned for like uh, three verses, thirty seconds, huh? Yeah, and they got a whole lot of thoughts on that. Sometimes hmm. your thirty seconds of fame will take you a long way. There you go. There you go. So, nevertheless, nevertheless, hmm. nevertheless, Jen's still buffering. Not you, Jen. Other Jen. Jen Blake. Well, yeah. Nevertheless. <laughs> oh, poor Jen. Oh, uh, love you, Jen. She's going to throw something at me. Mm-hmm. I hope she does. Yeah, I deserve it. It's fair. 
Alrighty. Probably small spherical fruit. Oh no! Why would you? Don't give her that idea. Why? Oh, she always has that yeah, idea. Yeah, she's got that. She's fascinated fascinated by that also. Yeah. <sighs> it's not a fear of them. I just don't want to eat them. I'm bringing grape salad tonight. Why? Ugh. Why would you do that? Because it's delicious. Ugh. Gross. All right, if there's an update on this, it's because I died before Wednesday, and it was because of the grape salad. It just being in the vicinity of it. But anyway, let's. Uh, unless we got anything else that you guys want to talk about. Mm-mm. No? I nope. think we've... Uh, we have hammered this one into the ground. We've 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 just covered everything there is to cover in twenty five chapters of Genesis. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Like I said uh, in the sermon, go back and check out those episodes of the sermons and footnotes uh, as we are diving into this new series. Uh, I'll link those in the show notes. Also, back to a couple of those episodes. Go listen to listen to us make us all sound like chipmunks and. Uh, It'll be real good. So I wish I had a chipmunk voice that I could make myself sound like a chipmunk now and then see what it sounded like at two times speed. Hmm. So it would kind of be like four times speed. Yeah, like a super chipmunk. Like Remy on caffeine chipmunk. Yeah. Hmm. Su- a super chipmunk. That's like jumbo shrimp. Jumbo shrimp, still shrimpy. Yum. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys have a fantastic week. We'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed. And that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.